Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. Very excited today because we don't just have one guest. We have two which is going to make this amazing squared radio. That's right. We are going to be talking with Terry Kane and Steve Church. Both of those gentlemen were executives over at Avnet, which is an electronics distributor. And the best way to describe what Avnet does is if uh, you are holding a phone in your hand, uh, Apple, Android, any type of phone you have, Inside, there's a bunch of electrical components. There's, I don't know, all kinds of things. You know, resistors, transistors, uh, who knows? Maybe that's an antique term. There's such, I don't know. They can tell me if there's such a thing as a transistor anymore. Little microcomputer chips. All those types of things are what Avnet sells and distributes. And when they were there, the company was a $27 billion company. Today, they sold off a division or two, and they're still in the high teens in billions. But they are a big big business. And Terry and Steve have left and started their own business, and they've actually written an amazing book called The Pinwheel. It's strategy versus culture, who wins? Strategy versus culture, who wins? That's the subtitle. And I like this. We're going to find out what The Pinwheel is all about. And basically, the way I could just describe it is let me pose it as a question for us to think about, because we're going to ask Terry and Steve to answer this question. But are your customer experience programs just another check in the box? In other words, are you just phoning it in? Is it just a, a theme of the month or theme of the year, and then you're going to change it? Or is customer experience deeply rooted in your culture and your company's DNA? Terry and Steve, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Chef. This is Terry. Thank you. Thank you, Terry and Steve. Wow. So I, it's going to be hard for me to tell you two guys apart, but I'm going to try and do my best. So this is great. You guys were executives at a major company, and then you decided to leave. And let's start there. Why? <laughs> well, we uh, we we were there a long time, and there's a, a each of us can can give give the answer. But I think for the most part, we found out that there's another purpose beyond having a a, a very long multi decade career in in an enterprise business, and that's what you'll hear about with a pinwheel. All right, and and that was Steve, right? That, no, that, that was, was Terry. Oh man, I thought Terry. I had that one right. <laughs> And Steve, and, what's and your Jeff take on? Did he speak the truth? He did. Now, I was <laughs> going to say that the way to tell us apart is the more um, profound and, and deeply intelligent comments will come from me. That's Steve. That's the best way to be able to tell. Okay, uh, the, I like the difference. That. Yeah, I'll be listening. Uh, to that. Just, so basically, just, I'll have just, to reemphasize and and reword some of what Terry says to make sure that the average person right. could. But Steve, you're you're on the ball. This is going to be great. So. I, I do want to add one thing, though, and, and that is um, one of the things that, that Terry and I uh, strongly believe is that when you're when your work is fun, it's not work. You're right. And we are thoroughly enjoying, um, you know, getting this business started because we we believe that we can help executive management teams create cultures that are um, going to be healthier and are going to be a better environment for the employees and therefore as a result of that more successful businesses and that's really why 
uh, Terry and I uh, started Pinwheel Partners. So Pinwheel Partners works with companies of all sizes, or do you like working with larger enterprise-type companies or smaller businesses, or does it matter? So, well, actually, we've, we've done a strategic plan on that, and this is Terry, and I know Steve will also have a corollary to this, but for the most part, we believe that we're, our purpose is to inspire leaders to do just what you said, which is to make sure that that customer centricity is part of the DNA of the business. And so it's probably not dependent necessarily on the size of a company, but on where they are with their belief system in, in the service profit chain, if you're familiar with that, Jeff. Yes, I am. And, yep. and that whole deal is absolutely, you know, if you're there and, you know, you, 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 you're five years in business and you kind of lost the fact that the customer is really uh, what's driving it, then let's help you go back in, inspire, and wake up the leadership into how to keep the customer at the very focal part of the culture. Right. At the end of the day, and it really isn't even the end, it's the very beginning of the day, the leadership has to be on board with culture. Uh, and and setting the tone and defining what the customer experience is going to be. I I have this six-step simple process. I've talked about it on the show, which is to define the culture, to communicate it, to train to it, to uh, be a role model for it, to uh, keep it in alignment, and finally to celebrate it. And as simple as that sounds, you know, if I go into a company, $27 billion company, how many employees did you have? We had about 18,000 at that point. Yeah, 18,000. How quickly can you change a culture for 18,000 people? Well, simple as my theory of using these six steps are, it takes a long time. How long do you think it would take to change the culture of a large company? So we we actually have an example of that. It's a very good question, and that is one of the things that uh, we were successful in changing uh, in, in our company was um, the, the real strong movement towards the employee first. Uh, we referred to it as employee engagement. I was chief human resources officer during that period of time, and it took us at least five years yeah. uh, to put the employee uh, in the center of everything the company did. Right. And, and, w- by, and when you say five years, uh, and Terry or Steve, either one of you can, can answer this, does that mean you put it in place, or does that mean you had buy-in from all the employees at that point that this was the way business is done at Avnet? That was that was with buy-in because we actually started with the executive management. Um, one of the things that I realized in the very beginning was I had to get the CEO in the boat first. Then I had to get the rest of the Avnet executive board, of which I was a member, in the boat. Then we could work through layers of management, but it had to be top down. Mm-hmm. And the employees, of course, were just waiting for us to do something. So they they were in the boat as soon as they they sensed that. And so, uh, and and how long did it take to get the executives on board, the C level? Uh, about a year. Yeah, it takes a long time. And why did it take yes. that long? Because it was counter to the culture of the company. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Terry and I were talking about this earlier. One of the things that, that we did on a regular basis was we would um, do training. We, we called it um, train. You know, we had uh, managers training managers in our company. And so um, the senior executives would actually teach classes. So I taught a lot of classes of the management team, 
And one of the questions we would ask the, the managers is, how would you rank these four constituents of our company? Employee, customer, supplier, and shareholder. And before we, you know, when we uh, were trying to initiate the employee engagement strategies, every single class, now these were managers in our company, would would say shareholders first, really, then suppliers, then uh, customers, then employees. Um, and so just to make that switch to where we actually got the management team to understand uh, and live by the fact that our that everything started and ended with our employees. That that took a couple of years, starting with senior management and then working through layers of management. Wow! And so, and, and in the end, what was the final order of the four? Yeah, great question. So we finally got to the point, and this is where we knew we changed the culture: employee, customer, supplier, shareholder. And then our management team really understood that. The, the 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 work we did with the employee, the customer, and the supplier resulted in the shareholder getting what they wanted, Bingo. not the other way around. Bingo. Yeah. You know, years ago, yeah. um, Southwest Airlines, Herb Kelleher was asked the question, what's more important, the uh, employees, the customers, or passengers, or the shareholders? And uh, at the beginning, I believe the shareholders were put at the top. Uh, but when he asked, when he was asked the question, he said, well... This is easy. We put our, our employees first. They take care of our passengers. And if the passengers are happy, they come back fly again. That makes the shareholders happy. And at the fir- and when he was asked it the first time, he called it a conundrum. He said, well, but then he thought after, after he proved it, well, it's not a conundrum at all. So I think that that's really important. I love this. Now, one other question, and then we'll take a short break and come back in and talk about your new book, The Pinwheel. Um, when uh, I guess did you what was your first step in deciding okay we're going to do this did you create a definition or a defining statement of what customer experience or customer service should be about you know um, I think that it was an evolution chef this is Terry the the thing that that Steve didn't say that he was so uh, much a part of leading uh, our culture in that five year time frame is that he involved the employees in the creation of, of values. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, I was there for a period of time uh, when I watched uh, how we had values. They were, they were plaques on the wall. They were, as, as one CEO describes, it's pretty expensive wallpaper. But, but they really weren't lived and they weren't understood, nor were they, um, were, were they memorable. And so Steve led um, the global HR team that led the management team from, you know, many different countries to create five memorable values that had behaviors, uh, uh, again, defined by the, by the employees that said, this, this is how we're going to do work around here. And I remember, even though I was a part of, I was a senior leader even at that time frame, I remember the day that I, I was doing, I did 140 webinars as I was leading uh, a employee-led process improvement program. And I remember the day that I said, you know what, our people are hired and fired to these values. Because I can remember the last senior person that left that I thought, you know what, it's pretty public knowledge that he 
uh, was not living the values this other person. And I thought, man, this really means something. And then I became a champion as well in everything that I did uh, about about the core values. So what are the five values? So um, the, the Avnet uh, five core values we ended up with were integrity, customer service, accountability, teamwork, and innovation. And what's really great about this, and we, this is one of the things we work with companies on. We did, we just did this recently with someone, uh, with a management team is, um, you know, uh, people uh, support what they help create. And, and in a company the size of us, I just, people would think, well, there's no way at Avnet with 18,000 employees that you could have involved your employees, but we did. We started with um, a, a short list that the Avnet Executive Board created. We sent it out globally, and it took six months to get down to these five core values because we let um, all of the different countries and all of the different cultures work on this. And then, of course, you have to wordsmith because a word means something a little different in one language than it does in another. But what we ended up with here was five core values that everyone believed they had been uh, part of participating in the creation. And that's when it really uh, makes a difference. Then we created uh, videos that talked about what are the behaviors associated with these core values and a, and a workbook that defined each of the core values and behaviors that would be associated with that core value as well as behaviors that would not be associated with those core values. Wow. So you, you, you defined it and it took six months and then you uh, communicated it, you used the videos and the workbooks to do that and help train to it. And by the way, big, big, big takeaway. People support what they help create. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the pinwheel, the new book that explains a lot of what we're talking about here. And you'll find out how you can get it, where you can get it, when you can get it. You are listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Want to amaze your customers, impress the people you work with, and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com in ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Terry Kane and Steve Church about their new book, The Pinwheel, Strategy versus Culture, Who Wins? And this book, by the way, is now available at this website, pinwheel.partners. That's pinwheel.partners, not pinwheel.com. So remember, pinwheel.partners. And the book, if you know, you know what we're talking about here. This is what the book is about. Go ahead, guys. Uh, Terry, why don't you take it? Why don't you give us some insight as to the book? Well, the last thing that you said, Shep, uh, was what we were talking about. Uh, people actually support what what they create. I think uh, Steve was talking about that. And the, the corollary to that is they actually kill what they don't create. 
Oh, yeah. So if they aren't part of the process, they may not buy in to it, and uh, you'll have a lot harder time getting them to buy in, which means it may just die on the vine. Right, and they, they and when they have actually a participation in it, they feel empowered, all these great buzzwords that we talked about in the industry and everything. But for the most part, they're engaged, they're involved. Life is good, um, and, and work is good. And so that kind of leads us into why we actually created the pinwheel. Yeah, so where did it come from? Well, Steve, you want to take that? Yeah, I'd love to, Terry. Um, Shep, uh, really, this was a result of a lot of work that Terry and I were doing with workshops at speaking engagements, training sessions. And what we would do, one of the things that, that we would ask classes, because we tend to be very interactive uh, in our sessions, is, hey, tell us, who, who are the companies that you do business with that provide a consistently great experience? Um, and we would, you know, whiteboard that and we'd get a very short list of companies that people could agree on. And that list would include people like Southwest Airlines or maybe mm-hmm. Starbucks, yep. Amazon, Zappos in an online experience, a few other companies. But we, we were always marveling at the fact that it was a very short list. And then we would ask the classes, well, what is it about this short list of companies that makes them uh, you know, that, that, that helps them deliver a consistently great experience. What are the attributes? And, and then we started to distill that down and that, that distillation actually resulted in the seven veins of the pinwheel, which we found and ev- validated over time are really the things that are required to create this culture. Uh, where every employee understands why it's important to deliver a great experience, and every employee understands what their role is in doing that. Uh, and the, the seven veins of the pinwheel, of course, are vision, attitude, knowledge and skills, systems and processes, accountability, passion, and the final one is integrity and, and values. And, um, you know, we fully and, and passionately believe that those are required. What we typically do now with clients is we'll have them uh, in a voting process identify which is the one on this list of seven uh, that your team could work on that would make the greatest impact on creating a consistently great experience. Because we tell, you know, our, our clients, don't try to work on all seven at one time. Don't even try to work on three or four. Pick one or mm-hmm. two. Right. And when you nail those, then let's revote and then let's uh, identify now what, what, you know, bubbled to the top is the one or two, uh, that, um, you know, you need to go work on because here's the thing. And this is one of our epiphanies. Most companies have what we call heroes. That means that they have some a small group of people in their company that it's just in their DNA. They're built that way. They're going to deliver a great experience because it's within them, but it's not a culture. And so you could go to a company one time and have a great experience, but the very next time you go back, you're dealing with another employee and you have a very disappointing experience. What we're trying to get companies to do. Yes. I was going to say, I, you just gave me this idea. It's like uh, you're going to this other company and say, could I have your hero, please? Yeah, yes. hey, could I have your hero, please? Exactly. The force within is what I call this person. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
So I want to make sure I understand. So Number one is is uh, for your is vision. Two is attitude. Three is knowledge. Four is systems. Five is accountability. Six is integrity. Seven values. Did I get those right? Because I was writing as fast um, as I could. You miss passion. Oh, I miss passion. Where does passion belong? Uh, well, pa- that's interesting because when we do this polling process with management teams, passion is almost always number one or number two. Mm-hmm. It is what's within the heart and mind of people that causes them to go up, above and beyond because it, it, it's in their hearts. Mm-hmm. Okay. I may have put yeah, that, I may so have you know passion that- in with, with one of the others. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. And and the thing is, they're not in any order, really. We we put them in the order of the of the pinwheel, but they're not in any kind of order because of of it's it's so dynamic with whatever culture we're dealing with. Uh, as Steve described, what are you working on? What do you need to work on that's going to have the most impact this month or this quarter? And you, what we want to do is start arguments because somebody will say passion and another will say well it's our systems and processes well what well what is it what is, what is it that's going to make the most impact because we want them to revisit uh, again and again as steve said one of the things that steve didn't say that that helped us evolve the the pinwheel is that we began to create our own stories and that's where all of a sudden the stories we said well what's that that's that's about your experience at ritz carlton or whatever or or, or whatever it was and, and then that that's really about passion, isn't it? And that's how we began to write about it. And so it became somewhat, we thought it was going to be a simple process. You know, as an author, it's not. But, but you know, we thought we've been telling these stories for years, just like your taxi story is so great. It's so, it, it, it resonates every time I hear it, and I don't Thank mind you. hearing it again. But but the whole deal is we we want to tell our stories in, as an embellishment to the passion and then encourage or to encourage the, the the group that we're working with to have and create their own stories this is about them it's not about us right so you create your own legends. We use it as a, a, yeah yes it's what your 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 legends you know and every company has their version of uh the nordstrom story about the tires being yes. returned or you know zappos talks about how uh at three in the morning uh, Tony had one of his friends call the Zappos customer service number and said, hey, I'm in San Francisco. Can you tell me where I can get a pizza this time of day <laughs> or night? And uh, yep. they actually did. I you love know, that. Yeah, and there's all these famous stories. Some of people would recognize, some wouldn't. But you create your own, which I think is really, really powerful. So we've got these seven, and I love the concept. Let the people choose which one they want to work on first, and you work one at a time. And I would imagine uh, you can't get this done overnight. I, here's the thing. If you've got five people in your organization, you could probably get it done in a month. But if you've got, as you said, I think uh, you mentioned you had about seven, uh, how many thousand, 17,000 people, 18,000 people? Is that right? Yeah, 18,000. 18,000 people. It took five years. Uh, I remember doing a presentation uh, at a C-suite conference. Uh, and, and this show, by the way, is on the C-suite network. So we were at a C-suite conference. There was probably about 60 uh, C-level people in the room, CEOs, CMOs, COOs, and their guy like me, the CAO, the chief amazement officer. And I went through those six steps <laughs> that we talked about at the very beginning of the present of our, our show today, you know, which are my six simple steps. And I said, it's simple, you know, and, and some guy raises his hand and he says, you keep saying this is simple. 
is it really simple? I said, simple doesn't mean easy. I mentioned that. I said, how many people do you have in your organization? And he said, 35,000. I said, it is simple, but you know it's going to take you like six or seven years to make this work in your company. He goes, but you said it was simple. I said, I did. It's just not easy. There's the different mm-hmm. words. They mean something right. completely different. Right. So this is, and I love it, the, the pinwheel, it's a short book. I mean, short by the idea that it could take years for some companies to implement. The ideas are so simplistic and so direct. And uh, I want exactly. to know what some of those stories are. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share a couple of the types of stories that set the wheel in motion. How do you like that? The pinwheel in motion. The book is called The Pinwheel. It is available at pinwheel.partners. Don't go, everybody. We're going to be right back in just a moment. Shep Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Steve Church and Terry Kane, formerly of Abnet, now with Pinwheel Partners. And by the way, pinwheel.com. Partners, that's where you get the book, The Pinwheel. And we've been talking about the seven veins. And as we were closing out the last segment, uh, I I think it was Terry was talking about the story. Maybe it was Steve. But you know what? I want to know a story. I want each of you to share with me a story about uh, how these different veins are set up, so to speak. There are seven of them. And we don't need seven stories. Let's whet the appetite of our people listening today, because I'd love for them to say, wow, every one of these seven, there's a story behind it. So, uh, Steve, go ahead. You start. Great. So um, one of the um, veins is systems and processes. And the uh, story from my own experience, I'll tell briefly. Uh, my wife and I needed to uh, go out to dinner on a Saturday night. It was sort of an, uh, a late thought. Uh, it was, uh, you know, high season here in Arizona, uh, seven o'clock at night, I called one of my favorite seafood restaurants and the nice young lady said, sorry, we can't get you until eight thirty or nine. I said, well, thanks for trying. I'll uh, look around for another restaurant. She said, well, hold on just a second. She said, uh, could, uh, your, is this your number that I'm looking at? Is are you calling me from your cell phone? I said, yeah. She said, uh, Mr. Church, uh, I see that you uh, visit our restaurant very often. We appreciate your business very much. If you want to come down and, and, and have a drink in the bar, we'll get you seated as quickly as possible. Uh, we were in the bar for 10 minutes. They seated us at a nice table in the restaurant. Uh, I went up afterwards and I said, uh, how did that all happen? And she said, well, um, you know, we have a history by phone number when you make your reservations. And I could see on here that you've been a very loyal customer. So Terry and I talk about that story from the perspective of systems and processes, but there's a lot more to it. And this is one of the things that we want our classes and our clients to understand, because it also is about attitude. None of these veins really stand alone. Uh, they're interlaced to a large extent. It was her attitude to take the extra mile to go look 
and find out that I was a loyal customer and therefore, uh, you know, meet my unexpressed need, which was I was not expecting to be able to go down there on a Saturday night late and have dinner, but she made that happen. So it was systems and processes, but it was also attitude. I love that. So uh, there's, and you know, people, when they hear that story, what made that happen is that actually McCormick and Schmick had a system. And so many companies miss that opportunity to share that system with employees across the board. I mean, you know, who wants to have the database on the clients or the customers or the guests? Well, somebody wants it. Maybe it's marketing. Maybe it's sales. But no, how about the person on the front line? In this case, the hostess who is answering the phone and taking a reservation and had that information at her fingertips. Powerful. All right, Terry, can you top that one? Or Steve, you got something else you want to add? No, no, that okay. was that was perfect. Okay, Let's perfect. Let's take it to Terry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Terry, I, I would say on the systems and processes too. Those systems and processes, in in Steve's case, may have been designed with the customer in mind. We hope that they were, but I think you hit it on the head, Shep. It's about it's about the employee actually taking uh, and the using of of that system and process for the benefit of the customer experience. So my story is. Uh, it's it's in a hotel actually, and it was the Ritz Carlton, which we all have, if, if we've had the fortunate opportunity to be at, at one. Uh, my only experience has been actually in a business meeting, and it was an Abnet meeting that we were in at the Melia Island. Um, ah, it's uh, a property. beautiful Ritz. I've been and, there many times. Uh, yep. Oh, it is so beautiful. I would love to go back. This was many years ago. I think it's one of my first executive meetings or, or, or management meetings. And what I did was I called the operator at 11 o'clock at night, and this is what I said to her. I need you to get a message to Bob Braverman. Uh, we will not be playing tennis in the morning. Um, I couldn't get a tennis racket. And so without without a hesitation, the operator said, Mr. Kane, I'll get you a tennis racket. Now, I was younger then. I might have been more arrogant than I am now. Um, <laughs> but I think for the most part, <laughs> um, I, I had to put her in her place. And I'm thinking, you're the operator. And let me just tell you, our, our, our meeting starts at, um, at 8 o'clock. Your pro shop doesn't open until 9 o'clock. We were going to play tennis at 6 o'clock. You can't get me a tennis racket. Again, without hesitation, the operator said, Mr. Kane, I'll have the night watchman open the tennis shop and meet you at the tennis courts at 6 a.m. with a tennis racket. Um, now i got to play tennis, right? <laughs> I mean, she blew, she blew us away, right? And I said, Whether well, you wanted to play or not, and, you're playing tennis. <laughs> yeah. And we actually did, of course, and the rest of the story is, as you might imagine, it all happened the way she said it. But when I'm, when I'm telling the story with, with, with uh, customers and audiences, I say, you know, how, impo- how was it possible that this, this operator had power over time and space and, and the night watchman? And, 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 you know, I, I even get a little bit excited by, by saying, you know, do you think that, let's see, a guy calls at night, she goes to her, her uh, chapter and says, uh, tennis or whatever, and where's the script that she's supposed to read back to me? No. What was it? And, you know, when you ask those questions, it's about the culture. It's about the fact that why, why did she do this? That's the biggest question. Why did she do this? And, the, you know, if you know Rich Carlton, she was, first of all, she thought that, that uh, she was operating on the, the vision 
or the motto of the company, which is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Now, that assumed that I was a gentleman, which I might not have been <laughs> at the time, right? I think but you probably But for the most part, she yeah. was going to treat me the way that she would want to be treated if she was a guest. And so she took care of my needs. And I like the way Steve said earlier, the unexpressed needs. I, I would have been happy, and I would have never told the story if she just delivered the message. I thought that's what operators were for. And, and so um, this gets deep into the culture, but the, the culture and the passion uh, of, of how she delivered it to me convinced me that I could get my needs met, and actually my unexpressed need is playing tennis. I love it. And, you know, I, we all have stories just like that. If you stayed at the Ritz and other uh, similar type establishments that have the mindset of the Ritz-Carlton employees. Yes, uh, nine words where ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen mean a tremendous amount. And there's other companies, restaurants, manufacturers, uh, insurance companies that we've all dealt with where somebody has that mindset and uh, the – I, you know, you, 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 it was very eloquent how you both described it. All right, so we're just about out of time. We have the one thing question. We're going to make this a lightning round question where you both have to answer this question in less than 20 seconds. Since Steve went first last time, Terry, we're going to let you go first this time. It's the same question. What's the one thing that you want this audience to either remember based on what we've talked about thus far, or is there something new that you want to just kind of open up? But remember, you've only got 20 seconds go culture is the most powerful asset in our business and so you can talk about your customer experience programs your operational excellence programs your um, low-cost products whatever it is that you 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 sell but if you're not uh, actually involved with the customer experience being the best it possibly can be and to use the Shep Hiken word, an amazing customer experience, then you're all, you have to address the culture. So that would be it for me. All right. Start with the culture first. Very good, Terry. And thanks for the shout out there. Uh, just for that, I won't ding you for the extra seconds. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Yes. If you, the listener, are working in an organization that's trying to improve your customer experience or move to services and solutions, you are not going to be successful without engaged employees. Mm. And the way to get those employees engaged is to get them to, uh, I think you, you mentioned it early on, people support what they help create, and, of course, they kill what they don't. So get them involved yes. from the very beginning. So uh, Absolutely. Good, and i got to tell you, so I, I'm going to, real quick, Terry Kane, Steve Church, they are the partners in the Pinwheel Partners, and the book is called The Pinwheel, and you can get it at pinwheel.partners. So you should go there. Do not pass go. Collect $200 or anything until you get this book because if you want any of the things that we have been talking about, for the most part, for the last almost three years on this show, the only way you're going to get them to be as great as they possibly can be is by learning about the seven veins of this pinwheel. So uh, can't emphasize how important this is. Now, I always like to end by saying this is why we call this Amazing Business Radio because we've had uh, amazing guests and we've shared amazing information. But I'm going to tell you a little secret, and this is also something I've never told any of the listeners. There's a number of reasons that I love to do this show, and one of the reasons is that I love to learn from amazing people. And Terry and Steve, 
thank you guys both because you've not only shared information with our audiences, but you guys are the real deal. For years, you were in corporate America. You changed a culture. Actually, I wouldn't even say corporate America, corporate the world because you were a worldwide organization, but you changed culture. You went through this whole process. It took years to do, and you did it, and you're giving everybody the map to do it, and you shared unbelievable information. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Shep. Really appreciate the thank opportunity. You, Enjoyed talking with you. Oh, yeah. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thank so, thank you so much. Everybody, you heard it. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have another amazing episode next week. So until then, remember Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>